Hey everyone, welcome back to the More Plants podcast. I am so excited to have you listening in today. Today's episode is part two of our series on some of the most common questions vegans get asked and some of the most common questions vegans have when they first make this change. In this particular installment, I'll be answering the questions can anyone be vegan? Meaning, is it safe for athletes, pregnancy, raising infants and kids? Is a vegan diet possible for people who have struggled with an eating disorder or in recovery? Is a vegan diet safe if I have an underlying medical condition? Isn't it okay to source your meat, dairy, and eggs from cage-free, free-range facilities or more sustainable farms or smaller farms? Isn't it true that animals still die in the growing and production of plant-based products or agricultural production? Is a vegan diet more expensive? Do I need special ingredients or equipment to eat a vegan diet? And aren't we supposed to eat meat? We've been doing it for centuries. Hi there, and welcome to More Plants, a vegan podcast by Bramble that helps you start, continue, and enjoy eating plant-based for your health, the animals, and the planet. I'm Kim Sujawalski, your host and certified plant-based cook and educator. In this podcast, you'll find all the practical tips, resources, and support you'll need to make your journey easy and sustainable, no matter where you are along this path. To learn more about our online courses, recipes, and blog, visit bramble.com. And now, Let's dive into today's episode. The topics that we'll be talking about today are only a glimpse into what we cover in our online course, The Roadmap. It's the ultimate guide that teaches you how to go vegan safely, deliciously, and handle any and every aspect of becoming vegan or when trying to make more vegan choices. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the course and then we'll get straight into it. Here's our sponsor for today's episode. This episode is brought to you by our online course, The Roadmap. The Roadmap is an online course that will help guide the way if you're newly vegan, thinking of becoming vegan, or wanting to take more steps in this direction. Module by module, we take you by the hand through every step, covering topics like finding your motivation and having the right mindset when making this change, to how to build a nutritionally balanced plate, how to shop, prep, stay on budget, plan your meals, travel, get organized, and navigate every social situation as a vegan and so many others. There is no stone left unturned, and we do it all with that approach you love so much, in which missteps are welcome, and there is no such thing as perfection. And of course, it includes the most delicious recipes and menu ideas. There is so much more included in this course, so head on over to brownwell.com forward slash the roadmap to watch our video trailer, to see the full list of modules, lessons, and recipes, pricing, and more. Again, that's bramble.com forward slash the roadmap. Now on with the show. Our first question for today is, can anyone be vegan? This means, can you be vegan during pregnancy? Can children be vegan? Can athletes be vegan? And we're going to cover all sorts of peeps here. Now, just in case you missed it in last week's episode, and I highly recommend starting with part one before you head into part two, because I'll probably be referencing some of the questions and answers I gave and some of the resources I shared. But here is the answer to this question from the position paper of the American Dietetics Association on who can follow a vegan diet. 
Appropriately planned vegetarian diets, including total vegetarian or vegan diets, are healthful, nutritionally adequate, and may provide health benefits in the prevention and treatment of certain diseases. Well-planned vegetarian diets are appropriate for individuals during all stages of the life cycle, including pregnancy, lactation, infancy, childhood, and adolescence, and for athletes. Now, I'm going to be linking to the full position paper if you want to get into all of the nitty-gritty details of this. And this means basically that technically anyone can be vegan. I always suggest that you find support and do a bit of extra research on the specific nutrient requirements if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, or raising young infants and children as vegans. Since these are stages in life in which nutrition is very important because you're supporting a growing body. And there are certain nutrients that are just absolutely essential and a necessary part of that growth and that development. So make sure to check out our vegan resource library, which I'll be linking to for nutritionists, pediatricians, and specialists that you can consult if you have any specific concerns, as well as all of the books and blogs that will help you during these stages. I think the most important part of that definition that I gave you is that part that says appropriately planned. And that includes you on any stage of your life, but it especially includes a growing body. And so This is an important aspect of that definition. We can't just assume that it will automatically cover all of our nutritional needs. We need to be intentional in learning a little bit about where those sources are in the plant kingdom and getting enough of them, which is why going to the professionals that can really help you gauge what those needs are for you, for your child, for your pregnancy, that's where success lies. And A lot of these professionals you can consult in person. Some of them you can consult at a distance. I'm providing great registries and directories where you can find some of these health professionals that are familiar with vegan diets. But it also means that there are so many resources online, books, etc., where you can get additional support as well in your own time. And this is very, very important. And I want to include in this question a very important aspect, and it's something that you might not hear in other vegan spaces, but if for whatever reason you don't feel it is possible for you to follow or feed a vegan diet during these special and temporary life stages, or you need to add flexibility, and by flexibility, I'm talking about animal products, this is also completely fine. And you can always come back to a vegan diet when you're ready to do so. We need to talk about these specific life stages, about how not everyone has the time or the resources to make sure to get all of these bases covered on these very particular and temporary life stages. And it's so important that your health and that of that growing baby or that child or that teenager, that takes, I think that is number one, right? And you can, of course, use all of the information to have to help guide you as best you can. But if you need to add flexibility, I think there is a space for that. When I get this question, I also always think of two specific groups of people that I like to mention specifically. The first are people struggling with food insecurity. 
My home country of Venezuela has been an example of this in different moments in history, as are many cities and countries across the world, even in the U.S., in which access to fresh fruits and vegetables, beans and whole grains are limited in some areas or people's financial means are limited. If you've decided to go vegan and you're struggling with food insecurity or don't have as much access to food as some other people might have that are making this change with so much ease, please make sure that you're taking care of yourself and getting the nutrients you need first. If this means you can't be a perfect vegan 100% of the time because nutrient requirements can't be met, do what you can and inspire others to make whatever changes they can, no matter how small. And just know that every little thing we do helps. So make sure that you're doing the best you can. And that includes not being perfect. No vegan is perfect. And I think it's very important to talk about these specific moments and circumstances when we talk about vegan diets. Now, you already heard in the definition that if you're an athlete, not only can a vegan diet help support your athletic endeavors, but now countless studies and Athletes around the world are showing us that it's not only possible, but many people have actually improved their athletic abilities, which is remarkable. There are so many documentaries and incredible athletes out there that have transitioned into a vegan diet and have explored this entire new realm when it comes to their athletic abilities or their sport performance. I am going to be sharing all of those in the resource library. We have a full module on vegan athletes, tons of people in all sorts of sports that I recommend you follow there so that you get lots of helpful support and information because all of them have been great about sharing their journey when it comes to their nutrition as well. And of course, it's very important that if you're an athlete, you follow, of course, all the basic nutritional guidelines, but know that your nutritional requirements are probably going to be much higher than that of a normal non-athlete person. And so this is something to keep in mind. I shared one of my favorite registered dietitian nutritionists last week, Amanda Wagner. She is at Fueling Veggie Athletes on Instagram. And she has a full practice on vegan nutrition in general, but also a specific part of her practice is dedicated to helping and supporting vegan athletes who want to fuel and recover with plants. So make sure to check all of those out. And you heard the position paper. It is safe. It is something that many athletes across the world are doing and can even improve performance. Now, when it comes to that other group that I like to talk about often when I talk about that question of whether anyone can be vegan, this is an important group that we bring to the table and it's people who are currently going through, have gone through in the past or are in recovery from an eating disorder. Although many eating disorder sufferers have found recovery by adopting a vegan diet and this I find incredibly interesting and it has happened for a lot of people, I always recommend that if you're struggling with an eating disorder, you never make any dietary change that involves restriction, like the inherent restriction present in eating a vegan diet, because of course you're skipping animal products, right? Without the full support of your treatment team. 
Eating disorders are so serious. They are the number one killer out of all mental illnesses. And although you'd probably be a wonderful and happy vegan activist after having struggled with food and with dieting and with eating, I am a firm believer that you can choose to attempt recovery first. And once recovered, if it is deemed possible by your team, you can reassess. Now, of course, there are exceptions. Of course, many people that have been vegan for many years and have gone later on into recovery, many of them have been able to stay vegan. And of course, if your team supports it, this might be a good option for you. But this decision has to be made in consultation with your therapist, your nutritionist, if you are someone who has struggled with food. And remember that veganism isn't going anywhere. It's always going to be here for a later time if that is something that is best for you. If you're struggling with an eating disorder or you think you might be, please seek the help that you need. You are so worth it. A great place to start is the NIDA website, and I'm going to provide more links and support hotlines that you can call if you suspect you might be struggling with an eating disorder. And we also have a new resource and health professional you might find extremely helpful. It is a wonderful book that has only recently been published, and I think it's the first of its kind, really. It's called Veganism and Eating Disorder Recovery. It's by Jen Friedman. I'm providing a link in the show notes. It's a fantastic resource to explore if you find yourself at this intersection of you're in recovery or you have struggled with an eating disorder in the past and you are thinking of becoming vegan or taking more steps in this direction. The next question, if I have a medical condition, is it safe for me to eat a vegan diet? Although a vegan diet is a great way to prevent and even reverse certain diseases, always, always consult your doctor if you have any pre-existing conditions or are on medications. You're going to find, like I said, great plant-based doctor directories and nutritionists that you can consult. They're all going to be in your vegan library, your resource library in the show notes. Especially consult your doctor before removing any type of medications you're on. This is one of my biggest pet peeves of some of the vegan, sort of pro-vegan documentaries that have come out in recent years. Sometimes these very well-meaning documentaries or resources want to sort of push everyone towards veganism. And they make claims that are often not science-based or evidence-based. Many times I've seen the claim of, follow this diet, you'll be able to get off all of your medications. That's not necessarily going to be the case. And if it comes to the point where you can leave some of your medications behind, this is always something that your doctor is meant to determine and always under the supervision of your medical team. Having said this, there is now an ample body of research that shows that this way of eating can provide benefits in the prevention and treatment of many chronic diseases such as diabetes, high blood pressure. It can lower your risk for certain cancers and more. And I will be sharing data and resources in an upcoming episode on why going vegan can be beneficial to our health and the resources that might help. Next up is one of my favorites. Isn't it okay to eat free-range eggs, grass-fed beef, animal products from smaller farms, from more humane farms, etc.? Now, sadly, especially when it comes to those terms like free-range, cage-free, some of these terms 
they have been used many times as marketing techniques for people who worry about the treatment of animals used for food. In many countries, these terms are only labels that have no legal ground or oversight by government agencies. And when there is a legal standing or definition for these terms, oftentimes they are very poorly enforced. They don't cover the transport of animals to and from facilities, nor do they cover the treatment of the animal down the slaughter line, often where lots of the abuse takes place. In the case of grass-fed beef, the impact on the land and on greenhouse gas emissions is even greater than in the case of cows raised in traditional feedlots. It's very sad, but true. Now, of course, of course, there are small family farms that treat their animals in a way that is miles away from the treatment of animals in factory farms. No one can deny that. But the problem is that due to the growing demand for food, these are not the products that reach most of our supermarkets and stores. To me, if there is a way for me to eat deliciously and thrive on a diet that doesn't require killing an animal, no matter how it was raised, I'm going to take it. Now, we'll be exploring more of the issues surrounding animal agriculture and the treatment of animals in an upcoming series, so stay tuned for that. Now, our next question is, isn't it true that animals still die in the growing of fruits, vegetables, and other products that vegans consume? Yes. Yes, it is true. There is no food system that we know of that is completely free of harm. Insects, rodents, and lots of other small wild animals die in our modern farming practices, either because of the machinery used, the use of pesticides, or the transformation of their wild habitats and their displacement because of having a farm in that area. There are even bigger issues with the production of certain plant foods around the world. We've all heard, right, of the production of palm oil and the enormous toll this food product has on the habitat of orangutans and even elephants, tigers, rhinos, and human beings. And this is not an issue only with vegan foods. Palm oil is in pretty much everything. There are huge problems in where certain products are sourced from when it comes to human rights, such as cacao beans used to make chocolate or bananas coming from certain regions. There is no diet absolutely absent from harm. But understanding one of the essential aspects of food production has been key to my understanding of why a vegan diet is still one of the choices that reduces harm the most and can have a low impact when choosing foods responsibly. And it's the fact that for the production of animal-based meat, fish, dairy, and eggs, you need live animals. You need to provide these animals with water and food, most of it plant food from agriculture to keep them alive until they've reached slaughter weight or they've stopped producing milk and eggs. This means that no matter how you frame it, much more food from agriculture needs to be grown to feed these animals, which will then be killed and provide only a fraction of the food than if they, you know, if we had gone to the plants directly. This means the amount of animals killed in our agriculture system or that are displaced will be even greater if we need to produce the food our food will eat for months or years just to stay alive until it can in turn feed us apart from the other agricultural foods that even non-vegans consume. 
I'm going to be giving more specific data and examples and share lots of documentation on our updated version of the Y Vegan series when it comes to our environment and all sorts of other areas that's coming soon. So in terms of the production of certain ingredients that are particularly problematic, because there are some that are more problematic than others, you can always opt out of them. For example, buying palm oil-free non-dairy butter or palm oil-free vegan cheeses, which is what I try my best to do, or go to more ethically sourced options or make a different choice. You're going to be free to include the foods you feel comfortable purchasing within this diet or any diet. And for this, a great resource is the Food Empowerment Project, which is a great resource where you can find lists of more ethically sourced foods and learn more about some of these more problematic agricultural products that, yes, are part of a vegan diet and probably a part of a non-vegan diet as well. This question is such a good one, and it stems from the idea people have of vegans trying to present veganism as the perfect diet. It stems from the misconception that a vegan diet is a diet that eliminates harm and violence towards animals. A vegan diet is a way of significantly reducing harm done to animals. But based on the amount of people we need to feed globally and the agriculture systems we have in place now, there is just no such thing as a 100% harm-free food system. But I can tell you that in everything I've researched in the 10 plus years that I've been vegan and working in this area, in everything I've read through the years, veganism is an incredible way to ensure a significant, and I mean significant, reduction in harm and violence while still providing us with a health-promoting diet where we can get all the nutrients we need and get all those needs met. Perhaps a 100% harm-free food system is in the horizon and we can always reassess and do what we can to improve. Vegans aren't perfect. Veganism isn't perfect or completely devoid of harm, but it is a massive way to help in so many areas I have not encountered. Another way of eating that is health supportive and health promoting, and that part is important, that reduces harm as veganism does. For anyone saying or thinking, well, if eating vegan isn't 100% harm-free, why should I even try? Why should I sacrifice my pleasure if my efforts won't be perfect? Here, there is no better activist, no better activist to coin the best one-liner I have ever heard in my life other than author and educator Colleen Patrick-Goudreau. I'm going to be linking to all of her work. and. Her incredible one-liner goes as follows. Don't do nothing because you can't do everything. Do something, anything. Her books are incredible and her podcast, the Food for Thought podcast, is a must listen for anyone on this path. You've heard me mention her countless times through the years and share her resources. Her books have been in the top of our resource libraries for years. And I have to tell you that I wouldn't be where I am without her work. And make sure to check all of the links that I'll be providing if you haven't met her before, but I'm sure you have. Veganism isn't about perfection, and that means you can take as many steps as you can take, and all of those are steps in the right direction. 
Another resource that I can't recommend enough is vegan activist Ed Winters, also known as Earthling Ed, who has spent years going to college campuses debating these and many other issues and common questions vegans get asked, is author of the book, This is Vegan Propaganda, and his work goes deeply into these kinds of conundrums and why animals in our environment need us now more than ever. Colleen and Ed are two people I often refer to as the vegan philosophers of our time, and their work has inspired me greatly through the years, and I can't recommend them enough. They've got all of these sorts of, you know, gotcha questions and things people often debate, debate vegans about so many great answers and videos on that. I'll be linking to all of their work. Our next question, is it expensive to eat a vegan diet? Just as with the question of whether or not a vegan diet is healthy, which we talked about in last week's episode, the answer is it depends on what you buy and what you bought before you went vegan. A vegan diet not only doesn't have to be more expensive than a meat-based one, but it can even show you a reduction in costs since whole grains, beans, and vegetables are usually less expensive than meat and dairy-based products. Sadly, due to subsidies and the cost of cheap meat, if you were on a diet that consisted of fast food happy meals, $1 menus, you're probably going to be spending more. But that is true whenever you start incorporating lots of fresh foods and an abundance of them, home-cooked meals that require ingredients that you have to get, etc. So no matter how you eat, if you start making that change, that is going to happen. You will, however, be saving on the thing you can never put a price tag on, and that is your health. Now, there are many tips and tricks to help you stay on budget on a vegan diet, including buying fruits and veggies that are in season, buying in bulk, cooking more at home, using sales when vegan products go on sale for those vegan alternatives if you enjoy them, and so many others that we cover here at Brown Bowl. And in the roadmap, you have a full module on budget-friendly cooking. Next question, do you need special equipment or fancy and expensive ingredients to be vegan? No, a vegan diet can be very simple using ingredients you find at your local store and a simple set of pots and pans, a cutting board and a knife. A blender is also extremely helpful. If you've followed us for a while, you know how much I use it. I love it. But of course, you can take any cuisine to many different levels But even as a professional cook, I can tell you that my kitchen is very simple and I buy my ingredients in my local supermarket or my health food store. Some of the new alternatives to meats and cheeses can be harder to find in some places, I know. So just do a little bit of research for local health food stores or nearby health food stores in larger towns or shop online for these. Even if you live in an area where neither of these are possible, You can eat a completely delicious and balanced vegan diet made with simple whole foods you can find anywhere, and that's part of what I teach you at Brown Bowl. And I also teach you because we have students from all parts of the world where many of the delicious products that you know very much that I enjoy can't be found. So we teach you how to make those amazing staples and ingredients and vegan cheeses and all of those wonderful things at Brown Bowl so you can still enjoy them. Isn't a vegan diet too limited or difficult to keep up for long? 
If you are a member of our membership program or you've taken any of our courses or have watched our videos, you know the answer to this question. A vegan diet can be just as varied or even more varied than a meat-based one because it forces you to step out of the meat, green beans, and potatoes plate and into a world of foods you probably hadn't even heard of before. It can be just as varied and full of excitement as a meat-based one since you can make anything vegan, anything. I'll say that again. You can make anything vegan. That's the entire premise of everything we do at Bramble. We teach you how to do exactly that. The truth is the answer to this question is going to depend entirely on you, more specifically on your mindset. If you're going into this expecting lack and deprivation and focusing only on what you can't have or don't want to have any longer, or limiting and restricting certain foods that you don't have a medical necessity to limit or restrict, that might be what you experience. You might experience lack and that it's not varied enough and that it's very, it's going to be just very hard to keep up for long. If you go into this though with an open mind, willing to learn some new recipes, focusing on all of the new foods that will now fill your plate that probably weren't even in your radar before, ensuring you're eating a variety of foods and that you're feeling satisfied with your meals and adjusting when that isn't happening. You are in for a very exciting journey. I talked about the importance of mindset and how it's that big elephant sitting in your living room right now, affecting all your decisions, actions, and reactions in our episode and blog post titled the top vegan side effects you can expect when going vegan. Now, my next question, my partner doesn't want to go vegan. How can I make the switch to a vegan diet and still maintain a healthy relationship with them? All over the world, people are sitting at the dinner table with food sensitivities, allergies, preferences, etc. that make them eat in a different way from their partners or children or family members. I know this is a little bit different because I know it involves your values. Once you find a middle ground where you both feel comfortable and make certain compromises, you can totally be vegan even if your partner never decides to join you. So many of our students have been on this boat for years and they have been able to find that middle ground. It takes a little bit of extra work because of course it's easier if everyone in the household eats the same way. You will experience this if you've ever had a picky eater in the house, but it can be done if this is something that's important to you and if you have family members that don't want to join you on this journey. It can be a little bit more challenging. Oftentimes, I think more for emotional reasons than practical ones, but it can totally be done. I'm going to leave you in the show notes a video about sharing your life with a non-vegan that we have in our YouTube channel, as well as posts where you can find more support with specific tips on dealing with the practical sides of shopping and cooking, dealing with in-laws, raising kids together, and so much more. We have covered this topic just to the ends of the earth and back because it's one of the most common questions people have. Now, the last question I have for you today, aren't we supposed to eat meat? We've been doing it for centuries and it's tradition. I understand our attachment to foods that have been a part of our lives for so long. They're part of our traditions, our family and social circles, not to mention our past history as a culture and as human beings. 
There are many things that also used to be part of our cultural heritage and that we would do without giving it a second thought. Things like not allowing women to go to school or to vote, owning slaves, having human zoos. Yes, this was a thing. Human zoos existed. Discriminating against people with a different skin color, race, religion, sexual orientation, segregation in buses and bathrooms, having gladiators fight lions in Roman coliseums, allowing children to work without rights. All of these things were the norm and part of our culture. Some of these went on for centuries. They were tradition and the way things were done, quote unquote, until we knew better. It's time that we awaken to the fact that our current agriculture system is causing much more harm than good and that in this instance, we don't need to wait for legislation or leaders or changes to start from the top to create change. We have the sole power to make a difference every time we sit down to eat or make a purchase. Saying that we need to do things like our ancestors did before because it's tradition or because we're supposed to do it only limits our growth as humans. It takes away our power. And to quote the wonderful Patti Smith, people have the power. You have the power, more power than you know. Now, if you have any more questions that we didn't cover in these two episodes, no question is too simple or too obvious to ask. I am here for you. So leave it in the posts that go with these episodes. Leave it to us on social media, DM us, and we'll be sure to include it in a future episode. Remember to check out all the links in our resource library, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us reach more people who are interested in making more vegan choices and need some support. Remember that you can find all of the show notes, links, and many additional resources for this episode in the description below. And of course, don't forget to visit bramble.com to learn more about our online courses, recipes, and blog posts. Till next time, everyone.